0: Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you Relevant Truth, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God, giving insight as to how it relates to our lives and that of our families. Sponsored by Bucyrus Church of the Nazarene, we join our pastor, Rev. Ray LaSalle, as he shares Relevant Truth. Again, thank you for allowing us to join you as I thought about our service this morning I thought about the terror and the panic that people are feeling out across our nation and I know they are around the globe some countries are more hard-hit than we are here in America and the desperation the stores the shelves are emptying out schools are being closed And they're talking about literally millions of people who need to stay home to work their jobs instead of going to the factories. And I thought about this service, and uh, the book of Jude came to my mind. In the 20th verse, in the 21st verse, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. then down in verse 24 and 25, Now unto him that's able to keep you, to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Then Paul had written to Timothy in the second letter that he had sent to him, chapter 1, there in verse 12. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And I believe there are some things that we need to commit. And I searched down through the scriptures and I, I found at least four things that need to be committed and those are four Fs in the Christian faith. You've heard of the Four H Club. I don't know if you can uh, enumerate what the four ages are. Used to be around the Holiness Church. The four ages was hair and hymns and heels and television. And uh, I hope that's not where our our sermonic material is coming from these days. But I I see four Fs, and the first is fret not. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, nor be jealous of those who do things that are wrong. Psalms 37.1. Fret not. Fret means to not worry, means to not fume, not to rage. Fret not means that we're not to be worrying all the time. Yet, I see men who worry. I see women who worry. Old folks sometimes worry sitting right there in the nursing home. And then I see young people worrying about who am I going to date and what will happen in my life and, and uh, will I get a good grade. And, and they worry. Rich folk worry with all of their wealth. And then the poor folk worry. Educated people worry. Uneducated people worry. Working folk worry. People out of work worry. We need to learn what an unreasonable thing worry is. What a weak thing worry is in the human character. How useless worry is. Worry never solves any problems. You need to get across a, 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 a river. Why, you can sit on the shore and worry all you want to, but it, it doesn't build a bridge. Worry never started a dead battery. Worry never makes a, a woman any more attractive. Worry never makes a husband any more agreeable. Worry never leads a church to victory over obstacles. Worry isn't right. May I say that worry is wrong. Yet we find so many people in our world who worry. They worry about things that have been, and they worry about things that are, and they worry about things that may be. I've met folk who worry over their past. They worry over past sins. And if you've repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then don't worry about them. If you've handed your sins over to God, don't you think that God can handle your past? Three things the Scripture mentions about that. Micah 7, verse 19, Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So don't put on a diving suit and begin to go down to the mucky waters and try to find the sins of your past. They've been buried in the great sea. On the western side of the Pacific Ocean, right near the island of Guam is the Mariana Trench. It's 1,554 miles long, 44 miles wide. The Challenger Deep is a location out there in that great trench, which is 35,840 feet in depth. And if you were to take the highest mountain, Mount Everest, and place it in that Challenger Deep, it'd still be a mile of water overhead. It's almost seven miles deep. And certainly there ought to be enough room there to handle and to hide all of your sins and mine. It's 16,000 Pounds per square inch pressure there. So I, I doubt if the devil would want to fool around there and try to dig up your past and, and flush out your history and fish around for your sins or mine. It's almost 12 times deeper than the Navy's best diving submarine has ever gone. And it's been less visited than even the moon by man. So nobody, including your enemies, Have been there to discover your sins. When God gets through hiding your sins, if there's not enough room there, why, He has the Atlantic Ocean with it, Cayman Trench. And it's a mere 22,300 feet deep. And if that's not enough, He has the Arctic Ocean and the Antarctic Ocean and the Indian Ocean and the Seven Seas and the Great Lakes and all the bodies of the water. God said, I'll bury your sins. In the depths of the sea. And then secondly, the psalmist picks it up. 103 verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So I don't need to travel that distance to get acquainted with my sins again. I don't need to dwell with them in my mind. And I don't need to take a little vacation trip and try to look them up. Then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, it gives us another slant. It reads, in their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. God is saying, I'll bury your sins in the deepest and the depths of the sea. I'll remove them as far as the east is from the west. And then he goes on to say, those iniquities, those failures, those sins, I'll remember no more. So if God forgets them, why would I want to remember them? And here's the antidote for fretting. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and thou shalt be saved. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him and he shall bring it to pass and he shall bring forth Thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday, Psalm 37. Philippians 6, verse 6, chapter 4, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep thy hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so if you want to find peace today in the midst of all the confusion out yonder, the best thing you can do is to find it in God and he'll keep your heart and he'll keep your mind. So the first F of the Christian faith is fret not. In other words, worry not. And the next one is fear not. Fear not. Isaiah in his 41st chapter said in verse 10, fear thou not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed for... I am thy God I will strengthen thee I will help thee Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness the psalmist in the 112 Psalm verse 7 says he shall not be afraid of evil tidings why his heart is fixed trusting in the Lord I remember a little book that came out in 1988 entitled 88 Reasons Why the Lord Was Coming in 1988. It should have been an exciting thing. But it struck more terror and more panic to the hearts of a lot of people around the church than any book that I know of. In fact, of the matter, there was a knock at our front door and, and when we opened the door, a, a young guy fell in through the door and onto the floor sobbing and crying and he said, my wife's going to leave me. I said, Why? Well, he said, you know, she goes to church and I don't. And when I found out the Lord was coming here in 1988, he said, I thought I better get my life straightened out. And he said, I confessed to her, I'd had six affairs this year. Well, the Lord didn't come. I don't know what kind of mess he had to live with. Lady came up to my, uh, my fence and she was in terror and her face was white. And she said to me, preacher, what am I going to do? I said, about what? She said, didn't you read the book about 88 reasons Christ is coming this year? I said, uh, I glanced at it. She said, well, what am I going to do? I said, about what? She said, I'm in terror. I'm in panic. I'm in fear. I said, aren't you a part of the bride of Christ? She said, yes. Well, I said, if there's going to be a wedding and the bridegroom's coming, it ought to be an exciting time of romance, not of fear. He said, fear not. Somebody said there's 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day, probably an extra for leap year. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist that took one continent of Europe in one hand and America in the other hand and pulled them together toward God for revival. He made this statement. There's two ways to go to heaven. You can go to heaven second class. When you say what time I'm afraid, I'll trust. Or you can go to heaven first class when you say, I'll trust and not be afraid. Fear is abroad in our world today. One man said, I'd be a normal man except for the fact that I'm terribly afraid of thunderstorms. Many people have a panic when fear seizes them. It was known that Caesar Augustus feared thunder. Some are afraid of a cat. Some are bothered by a spider. Others are afraid of stepping on a crack. Some are afraid of snakes, and some are afraid of hikes, and some fear dogs. Did you know that sin and sorrow and shame are related to fear? When a snake is in a panic, it strikes you. And a dog panics, it bites you. And when a horse is afraid it runs away, a fear has laid hold on them. They say the fear of poverty will make some women lie and some men to kill. Fear takes hold of many folks, reason, and they can't give it the judgment they ought to give. You can't render a right decision like you should, for fear steals the sunshine of the soul. Fear eats out the fibers of the character that people should have when real trials come. God says, don't worry. In other words, fret not. And then he moves on to say that we should fear not. And the third F of the Christian life is faint not. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 18:1. Writing a little letter to the Galatians, Paul said... And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We want to think about prayer as the greatest antidote to fainting. Pray lest you faint. And the Christian world is blind to that fact. Now, in Luke 11, Jesus said, Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, And heaven's waiting for a church to ask a church that'll seek him church that'll knock on heaven's front door it was Andrew Murray who said that God only works in answer to prayer and if that's true then as a church we rob ourselves we cheat ourselves we burglarize the church's future if we fail and refuse to pray I like what someone said They said they'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. For he said, God will do more with one who will pray much and preach little than with 10 who will pray little and preach much. Prayer opens the chute between God and man. A little lady sent a message to her pastor to come to her house. And he drove to her home and stepped inside and She was all crippled up with arthritis. She said, Pastor, I'm a burden to my children. I can't take care of myself. And I've asked you to come over and just pray that I'll die and I won't be such a load and such a burden. He said, I conscientiously can't pray that prayer, but he said, I'll tell you what I will pray. I'll pray that uh, instead of dying, that you'll become a great prayer warrior. And he prayed that prayer and he left. And when he returned, she was all lit up and said, God has given me a burden of prayer. And I found my life, and I believe even my ministry. This week, I've had a part in your preaching, for while you preached, I prayed. When the choir sang, I prayed for them, so I had a part in the choir. By prayer, a one talented person can have a part in what a ten talented person does. By prayer, we all can have a part in what everyone is doing for Jesus Christ. I believe there are people in church who feel like they have no value and no worth. And if we could just get them to realize the potential and the value they would have if they'd just be a prayer warrior. Can you imagine how this ministry would go places beyond our wildest dreams and and imaginations. Finances wouldn't even be a part of the discussion. Putting up a new facility would just be a cakewalk. Let me ask you something. Why do ministries fail? Why do great preachers sometimes fall? Well, it goes back to that scripture I shared with you. They get weary in well-doing. Weariness and fatigue can dull our senses. Burdens can break us down. Cares can crush the very best. Loads can buckle our knees. And because of getting weary and well-doing, they faint and fall by the wayside. So remember, he said fret not. He said fear not. And then he moves on to say faint not. And then let me give you a last. The Bible talks about forget not. Bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalmist David said in the 103, verse 2, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not. In Hebrews it says, do good, forget not to communicate, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Paul writing to Timothy said, forget not Jesus. I thought of what King David said. Again, forget not all his benefits. In a time that it seemed like there's a bit of shortage, think about what you do have. You've got enough. You're going to make it. God's on the throne. America will prevail. We're going to move ahead. People will get well. Have you thought about all the things that you have to be grateful for? What about water? Some nations don't have pure water. Think about sleep. Some people can't sleep. Think about having rest, being able to rest. Think about food. Think about clothes. People are made, we're without fur, and so we need clothing. And isn't it wonderful to have clothes on a cold winter day? And I thought about the benefit of soap. What would it be like to live without soap? Do you ever thank God for your church? Is your church a benefit to you? When you can't make it out on a Sunday, does it it seem to be a little bit of emptiness because you miss? the fellowship of good christian friends forget not all his benefits the book says can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire yet my people have forgotten me days without number jeremiah 232 forget not all of his benefits i think it'd be good sometime when we got a little time on our hands maybe you will over the week ahead Take out a pen and get some paper and begin to write down the benefits that God has given to you and to your home and to your marriage. If you've got a good Christian companion, you ought to list that. If your children are doing well, you ought to list that. If God's still on the throne, you ought to list that. If you've got health, you ought to be grateful. God said, don't forget me. He said, you've forgotten me days without number." In Psalm 88 verse 12, "It speaks of the land of forgetfulness." Wonder how many moved to the land of forgetfulness, and we just pretty well have forgotten how well we do have it. Some take a vacation in the land of forgetfulness. Some seem to like to take a tour through the land of forgetfulness. As a boy growing up, I thought of the people that I used to meet as a kid who spoke in broken English. And they talked about the land they'd come from, the countries that they'd come from, with all of its oppression. They were just so glad to be here on these shores. I thought about people that I knew as a boy who had gone through the Great Depression and knew what it meant to hard to have any food on the table, to have no money in their pocket, clothes wearing out, putting cardboard in their shoes, and to this day, those who are still alive that went through that hold on to every nickel. Why? Because they remember how bad things had been. I thought of others, I bet, who never forgot the horrors of the Second World War. Remember, he said, do we forget God's goodness? Do we forget to give to God the tithe? Forget not, he said. Forget not Jesus. Forget not the cross that Christ died on. Forget not hell for unbelievers when life is over here. Faint not, the antidote is pray. Fret not, the antidote is trust. Fear not, the antidote is to believe on God. Forget not, the antidote is to remember. Forget not the direction that He points out and And that one day we'll arrive in the harbor of God where no storms, pestilence, viruses, or disease come. You've been worrying about your past sins. Why don't you trust Jesus to do the right things with them? Forgiving them, burying them, removing them, blotting them out, and washing them away. Are you fearful? Jesus said, fear not. I've lived life. If you're being tested, Jesus said, so have I. If you're dealing with sorrow, Jesus says, so did I. If you've been criticized, he said, so did I. If you've been hurt, he said, so was I. Don't be afraid of life, he says, I've lived it. Don't be afraid of death, for he said, I died. Don't be afraid of the grave, because he said, I rose from the grave. Don't be afraid of eternity, for he says, I inhabit eternity are you fearing coronavirus I understand some of your fears but may I close by saying there's another virus a lot more deadly than coronavirus it's the virus of sin national leaders don't mention much about that governmental leaders in the local states don't mention much about the virus of sin that will send us to hell unless we find an antidote and the only antidote I know for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ for we were born in sin we were shapened in iniquity and all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God the Bible says and so I've got to find that antidote that remedy for my sin and it's the blood of Jesus Christ God's lamb the only animal that I know of according to science That's got pure blood is the blood of a lamb. And scientists have found they can take that little lamb with the pure blood and because of a serpent's bite and the deadliness of that poison within that serpent, if they take some of the blood of that lamb and uh, mix it with this poison of the snake and re-inject it into the lamb, it builds up an antidote that they can take the blood of that lamb and use it on a person that's been snake bit it's an antidote i'm saying to you that are listening that the very blood of jesus christ is the antidote to the deadliest virus that ever come to the human family and that's the virus of sin and god has an answer he can wash away the poison of sin from our life thank you for joining us today Jesus, Messiah. listening to relevant truth one of the many ministries of Bucyrus Church of the Nazarene with Reverend Ray LaSalle join us at one of our regular service times 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Sundays you can also find us on the web at bucyrusnazarene.org we're located just south of Bucyrus Ohio on state route 4 C, a place for you